Hey everyone, welcome back to the Haunted Corner. My name is Ashton, and today I have another episode in keeping with the theme of the week. Today we're co- covering some creepy abandoned amusement parks from around the world. This may turn into a two part episode because I'm now hyper fixating on the topic, so we'll see. Let's get into it. Up first, we're heading down under to Perth, Australia where the abandoned Atlantis Marine Park still sits. I'm going to warn you guys, the story's kind of a downer, so I'm coming in hot today. Um, we're going to bring it down, then we'll bring it back up like a roller coaster. Get it? So, in the 1970s, an Australian businessman named Alan Bond purchased 20,000 acres of land in Yanchep, which is a suburb of Perth, Australia to build a resort and a residential area. The hope was that the growth that Perth was experiencing would translate to a tourism boom, and Alan Bond wanted to keep up with that. So one of the ideas was to build a marine water park as a tourist attraction. And in 1971, the Atlantis Marine Park opened to the public. A 10-meter-tall Neptune holding his trident was built by local artist Mark Labuse, along with numerous pools and many other strange ocean-themed sculptures, including the disembodied head of Jacques Cousteau. There were paddle boats, attractions, and the park's slogan was Atlantis Marine Park for the Enrichment of Mankind. Now, around six months before the park opened, here's the downer, The future stars of the park were captured. Seven wild bottlenose dolphins were captured and trained to perform in the park. They would be the main focus of the park for the next decade. I told you guys, it's a downer, and it gets a little bit worse. So, this new marine park was not the instant moneymaker that they were hoping for. It really struggled. And in 1988, three female dolphin calves were born at the park. And this caused the park to come into some new problems. Regulations for dolphin enclosures had changed and legislation required the park to build a new, larger area for the dolphins. Along with an already dwindling cash flow, the Tokyo Corporation of Japan decided to close the park in 1990. Now, this next section came from Atlas Obscura. They described it the best, and I'll link to their article in the sources on the blog post for you guys. Quote, part of the park's closing was an unusual agreement with research scientist and marine park veterinarian Dr. Nick Gales. In return for releasing the company from its financial obligation to the dolphins, They gave him permission to attempt to reintroduce the wild dolphins and their captive-born offspring back into the wild. It would prove complicated. The hope was to provide a case study for returning other captive dolphins to the wild open oceans. The first step for Atlantis Park dolphins was to remind them what survival in the wild entailed. The adult dolphins had been performing in captivity for almost a decade and the captive-born juveniles had never hunted in the wild. They all needed to be shown how to hunt for fish. 
while some of the dolphins responded immediately, the captive-born dolphins seemed to treat exercise as a game and would often all chase the same fish, competing more with each other than actually showing any ability to forage, according to researcher Kelly Weeples. While the researchers watched the dolphins, they also attempted to discourage human interaction. Meanwhile, the dolphins watching the human researchers couldn't quite figure out what the new game was. Puzzled, they would try to get the observers, observers to engage with them, according to researcher Kelly Waples. Quote, a favorite of the, their antics was to perform a behavior in unison. Although the juveniles were never formally trained, they copied the performance behaviors displayed by the adults during feeding sessions. Quite often, while we were trying to record observations of natural behavior, the juveniles would all stop, watch us for several minutes, then in perfect unison embark on a series of tail slaps or peck waves, end quote. After living in a sea pen, which served as a dolphin halfway house, the adults were fitted with radio transmitters and all of the dolphins were released into the wild. Out in the wild, the dolphins struggled. They quickly lost weight. The group structure broke up. One of the juvenile dolphins was reported to be visiting resorts, trying to interact with people and nearly beaching itself in the process. Ultimately, three of the dolphins proved to be incapable of living in the wild. They were recaptured and lived at Underwater World, which is now the Aquarium of Western Australia. A wild dolphin frequently visited the enclosure, spending hours on the other side of the net. In late 1999, all of the dolphins mysteriously died in quick succession. The fate of the other dolphins is unclear. The splitting up the, of the group and failures of the radio tracking made them increasingly difficult to locate. After February of 1992, none of the wild Atlantis dolphins were ever seen again, though occasional reports do come in from local fishermen who claim to have run into unusually friendly dolphins in the area, end quote. I told you guys, the downer. And as of 2023, the park still sits abandoned. There have been efforts to restore the park or find a way to repurpose it, in January of 2023, the Sun City Precinct, which encompasses the former site of Atlantis Marine Park and the King Neptune Sculpture, as well as two rock, the Two Rocks Marina and Shopping Center, were added to the State Register of Heritage Places in recognition of Sun City's place as the state's first private, residential, commercial, and recreational investment project. If you visited the park before it closed or since its closing, I'd love to hear your story. I'll include photos of the park and the statues so that you guys can see it on the blog. And the link will be in the show notes. Up next, we will be heading to Ukraine to visit the Pripyat Amusement Park. Yep, that one. <laughs> This park is at the center of one of the most famous disasters in the history of the world. Located in Pripyat, Ukraine, this park was only open for one day before disaster struck. Or never opened at all, depending on who you ask. 
The park was built equipped with five main attractions, including the iconic 85-foot Ferris wheel that is commonly featured in pictures of the park. There were also bumper cars, swing boats, a paratrooper ride, and a carnival shooting game. So it was just a cute little theme park, ready for guests, built as a, quote, park of culture and rest. The park was set to have its grand opening on May 1st of 1986, just in time for the May Day celebrations. However, on April 26, 1986, the grand opening plans were canceled when the world's worst ever civil nuclear incident occurred at the nearby Chernobyl nuclear power plant. Now, some reports claim that the park was opened for one day only as a way to distract the residents from the impending disaster. These reports have never been officially verified, so it's very possible that the park was never actually opened. But it is a nice thought to believe that it was opened even for a short time as a reprieve from the gravity of reality. This park still contains varying levels of radiation. Although the concrete areas are mostly safe, the area under the Ferris wheel has some of the highest levels of radiation in the amusement park. The Ferris wheel has become an unsettling icon of the nuclear disaster, and visitors sometimes leave stuffed animals in its, in its cars as a memorial. There's also an abandoned bumper car ride with most rides still fully intact. Up next, we're heading to Orlando, Florida, to the abandoned Disney's River Country. River Country opened on June 20th of 1976 near the grounds of the Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground. The park was one of the first major additions to Walt Disney World after its 1971 opening and was one of the earliest fully themed water parks ever built. The park was themed as a Tom Sawyer swimming hole and featured many water-based attractions including large water slides, an inner tube river, a sand bottom lake, and a play area featuring tire swings and bridges. The park also had a unique water filtering system using water from the adjacent Bay Lake, which was dammed off, creating a natural-looking artificial lagoon. The park's water was at a higher level than the lakes, which was an effort to prevent the unfiltered lake water from getting into the park. The park thrived for over 20 years, although it did suffer a few tragedies in its time. In August of 1980, an 11-year-old boy passed away after contracting amoebic meningoencephalitis, which is a free-living amoeba that attacks the nervous system and the brain. His parents said that he contracted the amoeba while swimming at Walt Disney World's River Country, though health officials stated that there was no reason to blame Disney World for the tragedy, because the amoeba can breed in almost any freshwater lake during hot weather. River Country stayed open even after the boy's death and remained open for another 21 years. No other cases were ever linked to River Country, but there were two drowning deaths that were reported at the park during the 80s as well. When the park was built, there wasn't a lot going on in the area. Disney World was really new and small, but over time, things grew a lot. The park quickly expanded to four theme parks, over 30 hotels, and the biggest problem for River Country, two new water parks. 
Typhoon Lagoon opened in 1989, while Blizzard Beach opened in 1995. And these two new water parks quickly surpassed the dated river country in popularity. And by 2001, the former buzzing hotspot was barely surviving. In November of that same year, when River Country closed for its normal winter refurbishment, it never reopened. In 2005, Disney officially announced that River Country would be closed permanently. The park then sat abandoned for 17 years, rotting and gradually being reclaimed by nature. However, the park's closure isn't the end of its story. Disney didn't demolish River Country after its closure. Instead, they just kind of fenced it off and allowed it to sit there and rot. The water park was fenced off with signs up reading, Sorry, River Country is closed. The River Country closing theme still plays even in the abandoned park. Lights are also turned on automatically as Disney appears to not have cut the power off to the water park. On March 5th of 2018, Disney filed permits for a new mystery development labeled Project 89 to be built along Bay Lake and over the former River Country site. A week later, it was rumored that Project 89 will most likely be another themed hotel resort or DVC, Disney Vacation Club, timeshare property. Finally, in October of 2018, Disney announced that the new Reflections, a Disney Lakeside Lodge Vacation Club resort, would be constructed on the site. The new resort was slated to have 900 hotel rooms and was set to open in 2022. The new hotel was supposed to feature several Disney characters for each of the rooms, including Bambi, Brother Bear, the Fox and the Hound, and Pocahontas. A lakeside restaurant featuring the characters from The Princess and the Frog was also slated to open along with the new resort in 2022. But because of COVID, things have been pushed back, so we'll see what happens. Let me know if you've ever visited River Country during its glory days, because I would love to hear about it. And finally, wrapping up today's episode, we're heading to Medina County, Ohio, where a decaying Ferris wheel sits with a reminder of what used to be the Chippewa Lake Amusement Park. For this story, we have to head back in the time machine. The area surrounding Chippewa Lake has been an area of gathering for many years. In 1875, told you, a man named Edward Andrews came upon the area and thought the land would make a great place for a park ground. So he set up some picnic tables and Andrews Pleasure Grounds was formed. Yes, that was the name. <laughs> so with not a whole lot to do at the park, Edward had to find a way to draw visitors. And so with that, he arranged for a steamboat to give rides across the lake and even built one of the park's first roller coasters. The roller coaster had one drop and the cart had to be pushed back up to the top each time. So it took a lot of effort. <laughs> In 1898, a man by the name of Mac Beach made Edward an offer he couldn't refuse and purchased the purchased the land with the intent of making a much bigger and better park. As Mac saw the drunken shenanigans that were happening, he immediately banned liquor sales and began structuring the park as a family-friendly place to come for entertainment. 
food stands were built and live music played every single night at the park, things were growing. New rides were installed, including the first real roller coaster, which was built in 1924. Formerly known as the Big Dipper, this wooden coaster stood roughly 50 feet high and survived for over 80 years until it was demolished in 2010. The park thrived for several decades, and then in 1969, it was acquired by a company named Continental Business Enterprises, and they had plans to expand the park even further. But the public was not super on board with this plan, so that idea was eventually thrown out, and without further funding or ideas of how to put the park to use, the park closed. Park attendance was dwindling, and it couldn't keep up with the popularity of other parks, including Cedar Point. So it closed in 1978, which was its 100th year of operation. By the year 2000, large trees were growing through and around the park's rides, overtaking the property. Several buildings had collapsed or been damaged by fire. In 2002, the ballroom burned down. And by 2008, several other buildings had been destroyed by fire or by simply the elements. Piles of rubble still remained scattered through the wooded areas. Other rides and structures still stood in various states of disrepair. And these included the the roller coaster, the wild mouse, the little dipper, the tumble bug, and the frames of the Ferris wheels and flying cages. Most other buildings across the park were in various states of collapse and decay due to 30 years of of neglect by that point. On December 6th of 2017, the Tom Sawyer steamboat was removed from the park and was transported down to Tennessee where it will be restored to operation. In 2020, it was announced that the Chippewa Lake Park will be reborn as a Medina County Park, which owns the adjacent 340-acre Chippewa Lake. The plan was to salvage what is left of the park and use signage to detail the rich history of the area. As of January 2023, the Ferris wheel, the Little Dipper, the Flying Cages, and the Tumble Bug rides are still standing, along with sections of the train track and the remains of the ballroom and other structures. There are tons of YouTube videos of the abandoned theme park. As if you're interested, lots of drone videos and that kind of thing. So check it out. And that's going to do it for abandoned amusement parks. If you want a part two of this, let me know. There are a ton more that I could talk about and want to talk about. So if you guys are up for that, let me know. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. The sources for today's episode will be listed in the show notes and on the blog post, which is where you'll find pictures of all the parks that we featured on the episode today. Check out the other episodes of The Haunted Corner available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or on YouTube with new episodes dropping every Monday and Thursday. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to share your support, head on over to Patreon. You'll have access to the exclusive Patreon-only episodes early and ad-free access to episodes plus a lot more. Head over to patreon.com forward slash The Haunted Corner to join now. Follow us on social media at The Haunted Corner on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to tell a friend and rate and review wherever you listen. 
If you have a case suggestion or a correction to share, please send it to thehauntedcorner at gmail.com or submit it through the website. Until next time, be kind and take care of yourselves and each other, and we'll see you soon. Bye.